Welcome to the Deep Light Podcast from Park City's Presbyterian Church. This is a space for community, healing, hope, and education around topics of rescue and growth. Our prayer for this series is that it illuminates a deeper understanding of struggles within and around us, as well as God's profound love and redemptive light in Jesus Christ. Hi, my name is Mark Davis, and I want to welcome you to our Deep Light Podcast. This is a new launch of Deep Light, which we started about 18 months ago. And uh, I serve as one of the pastors of Park City's Presbyterian Church. And the purpose of this podcast is honestly just to reach out and share the love of Christ with whoever would come and listen or watch what we have going on. Um, We want to extend what we call the transforming presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which means ultimately His character, His love, his work in our lives as we seek to be followers of Christ. I'm not sure why you're watching what brought you here, but I want you to know we're glad that you're tuning in. We want you to know that we believe um, deeply in the power of Christ and his love for us. We know we live in a broken world, and because of that, you, me, all of us experience profound pain at different times in our life. And we're hopeful that as we move through this series, particularly this series on mental health and on mental illness and how those things come to impact our lives, that you will learn um, where to find that hope in Christ. A few things I want you to know. Number one, you're not alone. No matter how lonely you feel, if you feel like you're the only person in the world struggling with this, I promise that is not true. Uh, It's not true that even though you might be a Christian already, that you're not gonna have struggles, uh, though you may feel that. Secondly, I I want you to know there really is hope in Christ. A lot of times we treat Jesus or Christianity just as a worldview, but it is so much more than that. It's a person. It's the living God who gives us everything we need uh, to live this side of heaven and certainly beyond. And lastly, I want you to know that you are loved. You know, God delights in the people that he has created, and he has a purpose in all sorts of things that we're experiencing and can do a work of redemption that is beyond what at this moment you and I could even ask or hope for. But I promise that the Word of God says it's true, and I believe you will see that as well. So today I want to introduce my dear friend, uh, Pat Hoban. Hi, Pat. Hello, hello. It's good to see you this afternoon. Thank you, thank you. I feel like I'm supposed to be a sportscaster right now with this microphone here. Well, you went to the University of Texas, and if you want to talk about sports right now... <laughs> I think we better pass uh, on okay, that we'll for move, now. Okay, we'll move on thank now. You. That's, yeah. a, that's a kind of pain and a kind of passion. That's right, thank we'll, you. We'll, we'll move on. So Pat was raised here in Dallas. That's right. Um, he went to... I know you went to Bradfield Elementary, is that right? I did, yes, exactly. Because that's where that famous plane crash was. Gosh, Mark, you're so right. Yeah, I, when I was in sixth grade, I witnessed a plane crash there. That's that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Mm. Um, but I know that because of other friends you have that were in yes. that same class. Exactly right. You um, have been married to Emily now for two years. Yes, Together, that's right. you guys have six, six children. Six kids, yes. Four grandchildren and one on the way. That's exactly right, yes. All right. I am not a grandpa yet. I look like a grandpa. <laughs> But I have for a long time. Yes. Um, I've already mentioned you went to Texas, and then you got a master's in counseling from Colorado Christian University. That's right. And um, he serves here at Park City Presbyterian Church as our director of of counseling and care. And you've been in that role since 2013? Uh, Actually, a little bit after that. But yes, my initial role here was I came back as kind of in the adult ministry and then transitioned over. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's been a huge blessing to have you on staff personally. Mm. 
uh, but also in just the ways in which you've cared for so many of our staff, but as well as so many members in our church mm. through Sunday morning communities, through other projects you've worked on, yeah. seminars that you've brought, yeah. but also in your counseling. Well, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, you know, for me to be able to give back to a community here at the church that's been so life-giving to me has been an incredible gift and blessing. Yeah, and you can tell. I mean, that, well, that radiance you. of love that yeah. is really His love shining through you blesses all of us. Thank you, Mark. This new series of Deep Light, it's yes. kind of a relaunch, is going to focus on mental health, mental illness. Yeah. Um, what are the stereotypes and things that come around that? Uh, how should we be thinking about it? Yes. How, as Christians, should we be responding to all these different things? Yes. So we're going to have a number of episodes on this podcast that deal with that, interviewing counselors like yourself. Yes. Uh, we'll be interviewing psychiatrist Andrea Kim. She's we'll, awesome. She is. Yeah. Uh, members of our church who yeah. um, struggle with various aspects of mental health and well-being and mental illness uh, right. are going to be telling their stories of yes. rescue. And those are ongoing stories, yes. not necessarily a exactly. one-time deliverance, exactly. which I think is really powerful. So let's start with... Um, your sense of calling to become a counselor. Uh, uh, when did you sense that, I think God's moving me in this direction? Wow, that's such a great question because it was a journey. Um, and I, I will say, I've often joked that my father could either talk to a fence post or listen to a fence post and had no idea that what was behind that was just a heart for people. Mm -hmm. And so it took me a while because I thought I was supposed to just be uh, like a number two person and really uh, stand behind others. And then um, had the good fortune of being the singles pastor here at the church when it started. And I was doing more and more counseling and honestly feeling less and less qualified mm -hmm. and uh, realized I came to a point that this is the direction I want to head. And I wanted to be able to develop my uh, giftings, but also acquire more skills in that particular area. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've mentioned the topic of, of mental health, uh, mental illness, mm -hmm. and I always like to include um, a couple of other words in there, yeah. um, which would be just our brokenness and wounds that we carry. Mm -hmm. And the reason that becomes important to me, Mark, is because um, I don't have nearly the technical expertise that uh, Andrea Kim has, um, but she and I work in such great partnership yeah. with each other. And being able to walk with people in a way that allows me to step into their pain, and oftentimes they're suffering with them, but then continue to point them in the direction um, of the Lord Jesus Christ and towards healing, um, has been a, a call that I will always be extremely grateful for. So let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah. How, how has... How did your mm -hmm. own story of rescue, and when we talk about story of rescue, we're talking about the redeeming work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ yes. and, and resurrecting hearts and souls that were dead yes. to, to everlasting life. Right. This side of heaven, though still struggling, we have that ongoing sense of his daily rescue. That's of right. Us. So tell us a little bit about your story of rescue uh, and how that impacted your sense of calling. Well, thank you. It definitely took a, a turn that I was not expecting. And that is that uh, in 2005, my marriage fell apart. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I could try to explain a lot of things, but I, I realized that at some point in time, um, a deep work did begin to take place in my life. There was biblical truths, Mark, that I was able to communicate to people and really maybe even teach well, whatever it was. But in the end, 
the reality was that a lot of those truths were stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the failure of my marriage and having to really be at a place of desperation and extreme pain that I began to realize how my identity was actually, instead of being more deeply rooted in who I was in the Lord Jesus Christ, was actually rooted in my resume, which Mm. was a good Christian boy. Mm. Um, As I mentioned, my father uh, had been on a church staff for 35 years. And, you know, I was raised in the church, did all the things right, was, you know, and yet really had some deep truths where my identity was not in who I was in Christ. And so... Real quick, were you aware then of the disconnect? I became aware of that, Uh painfully so. And the way that that happened was I realized that I wanted to try to go around and explain to everybody what had happened. Mm. And I have often joked about this, and yet there's a high degree of seriousness to it, that if the pastor had said to me, would you like 10 minutes of the sermon time today to come up and explain what happened, I would have said yes, as if that was more important than the preached Word of God. Mm. That's how desperate I was to be understood, Mm. okay? And to have to live with allowing people to think whatever they wanted to think knowing that all I cared about was what he thought about me, and to live in that freedom was immense. And I am forever grateful for that, but I still grieve the way that it came about. You used uh, the word desperation. Yes. I think it's a great word. Yeah. And I wonder if any of us can truly get to that place where it moves from just head knowledge to truly heart and head so deep that it exits our hands and feet yes without the experience of desperation you know and of course implied in that uh, we have to be careful about is where the desperation comes from Mm -hmm. you know and i do believe that people can have a profound understanding of their desperate situation Mm -hmm. without having to go through Mm -hmm. a painful life experience like i did Mm -hmm. but clearly i would tell you the more people i sit with the more I begin to see how much those painful experiences open the doors for them to understand the depth and the heart of the gospel in ways that they had never fully comprehended before. Um, you know, just recently being able to sit with somebody who realized that um, his age and, and not being married at that point in time had all of a sudden begin to cause him to have a really ugly view of himself. And the reality was to walk him through and say, okay, the painful experience is that that door for marriage is not opened yet, but that is not your identity. Mm-hmm. It's whether you were married or single, but it is rooted in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And to get to take people through those kind of situations, as I say, I'm so grateful to get a paycheck for it. Yeah. Uh, it's really a blessing. Yeah. So that's really what we want to talk about. Okay. Um, we want to talk about how this side of heaven, the word you use, brokenness, yes. impacts all of us yeah. in different ways. That's right. And, and in variation, right? Some are extreme, some aren't, yet yeah. the pain is really there. And when I think about the word desperation, I think about how you said it, it's our desperate condition that yes. apart from God, we are lost. Yeah. You know, we have really no hope. But in Christ, you know, we have the fullness of that. That's right. And I also think about the words of Christ 
as he talks about suffering, that, that we are going to suffer, yeah, you know, this no side doubt. of heaven. And I think sometimes we think of suffering as just a consequence of saying, I believe in Jesus, <laughs> as opposed to one of the means that he actually uses to bring us to the end yes. of ourselves. Yes. And I would imagine many people watching this podcast either are near the end of themselves, and I don't mean ending their life sure. uh, so much as my, and that could be true too. No doubt. That's true. Please call for help. Yes. But it's, I'm, I've been working so hard to give the appearance that everything's fine. That's right. And now I'm exhausted. I just, yes. I can't keep it up anymore because it's not fine. That's right. And you describing yourself as you kind of had it all together. You had the right knowledge. You could tell all these things. Yes. I, I'm no different. Yeah. You know, I can say things from the pulpit that I know are true so often, but my challenge is often it's for you, but yeah. I'm not really letting it come into me the way it should. Yes. I'm beginning to live out of the false identity as well. Yes. So as we think about all these issues as it relates to brokenness, right. particularly moving into the the idea of when a person really needs to get help, yeah. really needs to talk to a counselor, join a redemption group, which yes. we'll talk a little bit sure. more about later, um, or a Sunday morning community, right. reading certain books, whatever it might be. Um, we've kind of framed this section of deep light as in that area of mental health, you know, mental illness, brokenness, et cetera. Right. So let's begin with this. I asked um, Andrea Cam, and her interview is going to come up in a, a, another podcast in the near future, a week okay. or two from now. Sure. Um, what is what is mental illness? Yes. You know, how would you define it? Well, for me, I define mental illness as the inability to clearly think through from step one to step two without having all sorts of other voices, and I don't mean like, you know, I mean that just in terms of chaos almost, mm -hmm. speaking into it. Lies could be, and preventing me from being able to really enjoy, experience, and encounter all of what life is meant to be. So what would be some example of, of those voices? And I know you're not talking yeah. about hearing multiple, no, no. you know, verbal voices, but That's thoughts, right. intrusive That's right. thoughts. That's right. Yes. So I, I often frame it this way, Mark, and I hope this is going the direction that you're asking. Um, but I, I see, you know, you know, I could use myself as an example here mm -hmm. today 10 times, okay, mm -hmm. or more. But what I see so frequently is we'll look at behavior that's up here, okay, and we go, oh, that's not really the kind of behavior that we think should be demonstrated by a follower of Jesus, mm -hmm. okay? And so we begin with what we would often call behavioral modification. We've got to change that. Mental illness has us where we are continually looking at some of those things and explaining, you know, can give an explanation as to what is creating that behavior up mm -hmm. here, okay? Maybe it's anger and it's rage, okay? Mm -hmm. Maybe it is control. Um, I know we talked previously, you know, about uh, whether it's OCD that comes more from some other place, but you know, I've actually seen where someone who is completely shut down mm -hmm. and you see the behavior up here and we're wanting to try to encourage them, you know, no, you need to speak out. It's good. We want to hear your voice. And we're trying to encourage them all the more. And yet what is down here is absolute terror mm. for fear of getting involved in a conflict mm -hmm. or fear of being judged for what they have to say. And then, you know, you can get down to a deeper wound after that. And so my role in counseling oftentimes is to see the behavior 
but then keep drawing them down lower and lower to where we finally get to what I would call the root issue. Are most people aware that there is something deeper, that there is a root issue, or are they just so consumed with what's on above the surface or easy to see that they stay there? So my answer to that is yes. Okay. You know, we didn't preview this. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah no, I mean both. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I see that frequently. Um, I would tell you that with sadness in my heart is you have a lot of people who see it up here and they are suspect that there's something deeper, but they are terrified to even crack that door open. And so what I oftentimes will tell people, and I hope you're comfortable with this, which is I want my office to be the safest place in the church with the exception of the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And when somebody says to me, they pause and then they go, I've never told anybody this before. Mm -hmm. I realize I'm on sacred ground. Yeah. And I realize that at that point in time, there's very little that I have to do except make that room as safe as possible. And so, again, I don't tell this for the sake of the podcast, but I'm saying the greatest compliment can, people can give me is you make me feel safe, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be the wisest, the smartest, the most brilliant, or anything else. Mm -hmm. If you tell me I'm safe, I know some amazing things are going to happen. Yeah, that's powerful because when you think about being in the sanctuary, yeah. a place that is sacred, a place where we should feel the freedom to be completely transparent before right. the Lord because He sees us anyway. Absolutely. Yet for many, and we know this is true in our culture, not just our church, yeah. all of our culture, um, people walk in really terrified. Yes. I don't want really to be known. I'm afraid yes. to be ultimately known. Yes. And if that keeps us all at the surface level, then we give the appearance that it's all the, I've got it all together. That's you know? right. Or these are the kind of struggles that we all have that aren't that bad. That's right. But deep down, we know the craters of, of brokenness that can be there. Exactly. So for people to have someone that they can share, right. that they can say, if it's safe, I need to tell you what I'm struggling with. Or I don't even know what it is, but I know there's something there. That's exactly right. Help me. Yes. And that's yeah. really what we want to happen through this podcast is that people okay. would begin to feel the freedom that they could call, they could talk to you or someone like sure. you, right. a pastor, yes. uh, a counselor, to say, hey, I, I really, really need help. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the main things that you see as a counselor okay. in the current situation we're in. Just yes. 2021, okay. 2022, I guess now, we're, yeah. we're filming this in November of 21, but it's probably gonna air in 2022. Okay. Okay. So what do, you, what do you see the most of right now? Yes. What's really consuming people? Well, thank you again for giving me such a broad question because it allows me to go, yeah. you know, multiple directions. But where I where I have experienced, I do about fifty percent with couples, and fifty percent of my counseling is with individuals. And is so, that, and is that of all ages, individuals of all? It ages? is all ages. Yeah, okay. Yes, you know, and I'm thankful that. Um, this is one of the few times I'm thankful I'm 65 years old because it does allow me to speak into the lives of younger people, but also people my age. Mm -hmm. And um, and so the reality is that today what we're finding is a lot of uh, fear and uncertainty. Some of it is just about the future, which is not uncommon. Mm -hmm. But I think what you have is coming if we want to say coming out of COVID or wherever we are in the midst of that, that there is still people who are experiencing 
relational discourse. They don't know what voices to trust, what news sources or anything else. I go with that. They have bumped into conflict with people that they have loved and cared for for many years and find themselves all of a sudden they're polarized and it is just becoming, you know, pandemic, if not, Mm -hmm. you know, epidemic in the ways that we're finding people with just this deep underlying, almost, I have to use the word, Mark, panic Mm. about what is coming forth. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why for me to be able to be a stable force, to be a good listener, to be able to ask probing questions, to help them really identify what's going on underneath that, Mm -hmm. okay? It's legitimate. I wished it wasn't. Mm -hmm. I wished I could say, oh, you're just being a little bit whatever. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is I'm having to acknowledge, yeah, there's a lot of reasons out there. Mm -hmm. However, let's talk about why that's having its impact on you in the ways that it is. And that is, again, some very rich soil for me to do the work in because you begin to see people take a look at their life story, take a look at their past. It may surface that there was some trauma issue that was in their life in the past. It may surface that there was some, you know, very difficult circumstances that they had to navigate. For some, you know, where they had to become the adult in the family at a very early age. And you see that that responsibility factor came into them in second grade. And, you know, and you're like, oh, my gosh. But then to see that now with the more chaotic things going on in our culture, that that responsibility factor is about to choke the life out of them because it manifests itself in the ways of control. Mm. Okay. And I will tell you that, you know, when I see people who are wrought or fraught with control, I can tell you there's going to be some real significant ripple effects to that either in their own personal lives or in the other relationships that they have. So let's let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. Um, how can somebody deal with a lifelong sense of needing to be yeah. in control? Yes. If, if it's the ripple effects that they're experiencing personally or in relationship with others that have brought them into your office, yes. they may or may not be aware that it's a control issue. That's correct. So how do you... How do you help someone see that? And yes. then what can they do about it? Yes. Well, so this is just my personal approach, but I am one who loves to counsel in the here and now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I am going to always open up my session with them, even if we met just the week before. Tell me what's happened this week. Mm-hmm. Tell me what lingers from our past session. But more importantly, tell me what's happened in the past week. Mm-hmm. Now, I say this with a little bit of humor when the one said, you want to hear about what just happened in the car over the way over way here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, couple in a fight or that's whatever. That's right. Yeah. You know. But usually I will find, say, a mother with young children, and she'll begin to tell me what her week looked like and how she was just frazzled and coming apart at the seams. And so I'll, I, I go, that's totally understandable. You know, with young children, there's all those stressors. And then I'll say, but I'm wondering, how many times in the past week did you even raise your hand? Zero. Hmm. And I said, why is that? 
and that gets us into an incredible conversation. So tell me more about that. When you say raise your hand, what do you mean? So someone who had a life experience where they had to become responsible at such an early age, Mm -hmm. it could be that in that situation, there was nobody else around to help. Mm -hmm. And so why raise your hand? Mm -hmm. And so you become responsible. Well, guess what happens after that? You start to get affirmed for it and you get praised for it. And then you find that people want you as your volunteers. And, and, you know, the next thing you know, they are the busiest people on the whole planet. And yet they have no idea how to go, I need help. Mm -hmm. And for many of them, they don't even know that that's even a remote possibility. Mm -hmm. Or even further, that they are worthy of someone helping them. Mm. Okay. Now, needless to say, that gets into some some pretty deep stuff right there. But for me, what I find out is even just something as simple as helping someone to know it's okay to raise your hand for help. Mm -hmm. And you go, well, Pat, they're in your office. And I'm like, absolutely. That's a step one. Yeah. Okay. But those are just something simple. And then, of course, you know, my fear is here that I, I don't emphasize enough where the biblical truth comes in here to really set people free. Yeah. You know, and I am a huge proponent of Galatians 5.1, which says it was for freedom's sake Christ set us free. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I wish that he would just have put a period at the end of that, but instead it finishes up only do not allow yourself to become a to have a, to return to a yoke of slavery. Mm -hmm. So it's more than possible for us to leave our freedom that we have. And so sometimes it's just reminding people of the freedom that we truly do have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because I can imagine people who in some ways have raised their hand to say, can I have an appointment? Yes. But so conditioned by that performance and control that when they come into your office and talk to you or come into my office and talk to me, they're, they're still not raising their hand. That's right. You know, they're trying to give the impression that it's, They've got it all together, right. or it's not as bad as you might think it is, yes. or they might know it is. Right. And I think that's a wicked part of our culture, yeah. you know, just that the enemy um, has caused so much fear yeah. that when we're looking around horizontally, um, comparing ourselves one to oh, another, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it just keeps eyes in the wrong place. Right. Um, so that's what we want with the, this series of podcasts. Is just This is a place where people can raise their hand and say, I need help. Right. I need help because of control. I need help because of fear, anxiety, yes. addiction, right. lust, anger, envy. I mean, oh, yes. the list goes on and on. It does. Yes. Yes. Uh, I have a favorite thing that I like to ask people. And um, and this comes at when, when you've been marching kind of right up to this point. You've gotten enough signals to go, okay, now's the time to ask. And I will invariably say to someone, what do you fear being exposed as? Mm -hmm. And I would tell you that I traditionally get about five answers only. Mm -hmm. Um, Failure, fraud, hypocrite, little boy, you know, where people just see themselves um, and, and you're like, okay, can we talk about that? I'll, I'll never forget the, the man that, that told me he, f- he feared being exposed as stupid. Hmm. And I said, who told you you were stupid? 
He says, my aunt, when I was six years old, mm. he was 63 at the time. Yeah. 63. Hmm. And you realize he had lived with that lie and had tried to do everything he could to cover up that fear that he was stupid and didn't want anybody else to know it. Yeah. And so there were so many different layers to how that manifests itself in his life that, you know, he again, he could articulate the gospel, but there was a great disconnect with it as well. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those wonderful success stories. When he got that lie out of the way, it was like he was a new man. Mm -hmm. It was incredible to watch him and how he could now live with, I'm not stupid, and then even further, and if you think I am, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. And that's that place of freedom that I had to come to, which was, you know, whatever you think of me, it's okay. Hmm. I, I tell people at the initial counseling session I have with them, I would love for you to walk out of here thinking I'm brilliant. Mm -hmm. I don't need you to do that, though. Mm -hmm. Because if I did, I'm setting myself up that if you walk out of here thinking I'm an idiot, you're controlling me. Mm -hmm. And I have now made you G-O-D in my life. Mm -hmm. And what an affront to the gospel. Mm -hmm. And you see how often we give away the security of our identity mm -hmm. to other people for me to determine how I feel about myself. And when you begin to think about that consuming you, you know, your eyes are obviously very horizontal. You're yeah. looking at how are other people looking at Absolutely. me? How are they looking at how I'm parenting? How yes. are they looking at how I'm dating? How are yeah. they looking at how I'm eating? Yeah. How I'm, or what I'm wearing? Yes. You know, it goes on and on, on and on, on, and on which on. then would generate anxiety. Yes. So do you think we have an issue with anxiety in our culture? <laughs> uh, let me see. Yes, I think so. So we, I'm, I'm being silly about that, yeah. but it's, it's, it is, I said this the other day, it's the common cold. Yes. It's everywhere. It you is. Know, our little ones are struggling with it. The elders in this body are struggling with it. Yeah. So why? Why are we so anxious? Well, I, I, again, so many things that I think we have typically been able to point to for stability have been shaken mm -hmm. more than perhaps ever, more than our culture. I, I don't know that for a fact, mm -hmm. but I would say that anxiety itself has massive ripple effects to it, mm -hmm. which then if you're anxious, I should be too. Mm -hmm. And then just kind of, we pass it on almost. Mm -hmm. That's why I love, I've never thought about it, but it is like the common cold. Mm -hmm. And we pass it on in ways that we don't even, we're not even aware of. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I had someone write me an email the other day. Pat, could you, refer, could you refer me to a good realtor? I need to sell my house before the collapse. And I wrote back, I'd be happy to, but I'm not sure I can predict that there is going to be a collapse or not. I don't know, but I'm concerned about how it's impacting you in the ways that you are looking at life. But the fear of that, the anxiety that comes with it, this person's already way down the road with making multiple decisions. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because when you think about what the Word of God promises us, you know, do not be anxious about anything, anything. but in everything. So what's anything? Yeah. Everything. What's everything? Anything? Yes. 
but in everything with thanksgiving and prayer, present your request to God. Mm -hmm. And it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, yes. will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That idea of our hearts and minds yeah. being guarded yes. in Christ, not right. by Christ, yes. but in Christ, that That's union right. is really powerful. There is freedom in that. Yeah. Yet the anxiety that I witness in my conversations with people who would not profess faith in Christ seems no different yeah. than the anxiety I'm walking with people who do profess faith in Christ. Yes. So two things come to my mind. One, why are believers who know the truth about Christ experiencing so much anxiety? Yeah. And, and two, how do we protect them from shame around that so that they would be willing to say, this isn't the life that I've been called to live. Help. Yeah. Raise my hand. Help. Yes. How can we do that? Yes. So I do think that there are a lot of things at our church that we are currently doing that are very helpful to that. And getting people plugged into the life of, you know, community life. Mm -hmm. um, but I am very much aware that we've got to have, as I used earlier, that place of safety. We've mm -hmm. got to have more of those that people can come to and say, I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we all need to become better listeners, better shepherds. And I'm not talking about just, you know, people who have that role at the church. I'm yeah. talking about we can all improve in that and grow in our ability to really walk alongside others and make it where what you're struggling with is okay. Let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. And really being able to be a source of strength and comfort to each other. And so wherever we can continue to improve our community life here at the church, I think is a better investment almost than trying to continue to grow a counseling ministry. Because while I'm totally committed to that and want to see that happen, mm -hmm. I also know that we we need to be walking with folks in different ways. So when we talk about um, opportunities to help people, let's just keep it at yeah, that base level. Sure. That's a critical part. In other yes. words, these are means of grace that God's given us. That's right. One of those would be one another, the community right. of believers. And then we have pastors. Yeah. We have, you know, we, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. Yes. So one-to-one -one relationships, community groups, redemption groups, things like that. Yeah. Then you have counselors. Right. Then you have psychiatrists. So talk about how all of that, you know, yes. works together. And when when is just being in a Bible study or reading the Bible, um, not necessarily enough. Yes. When does it move from, I've got this little struggle to, mm. I'm not getting better, I need I need help. Can yes. you talk about that? Well, I can certainly try, you know, and, and I love how you describe that, where we take, you know, here's all the things that are just offered at the church from anywhere from worship on Sunday mornings to some of the other things that we do men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies, and those are all places of connection down here on this level. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have opportunities where we have people that are, you know, just really good, active lay people who have some shepherding skills. And then we come up and we need somebody with a little bit more trained skill set than that. Mm -hmm. Then you get into the Andrea Kims and, and those who are just really, their expertise and professionalism and we have several of those here at our church, but in general, you know, and we want to be nurturing people all the way through that process. Mm -hmm. What we have to realize is that down here, we need to be 
more observant and better, as I said already, better listeners so that we can have a better sense of what people are struggling with to make sure we're helping them get to the right place, okay? Mm -hmm. But if some of those places are not safe, people are not going to let you know what their struggle is. Mm -hmm. They're going to look around and go, everybody else in here got their life together but me. And so those are some things that we want to continue to, you know, address and, and, and be able to grow and improve at um, mm-hmm. as we look at that. And my, my encouragement to all of you who may be listening is don't let the thought that everybody around you has their life together because it's just not true. Mm-hmm. And it's a lie that's used to keep us from really being able to say, here's what I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. And you may find out that another person is like, me too. Mm-hmm. And now the two of you can come alongside each other and be a comfort and strength. And what I love about that, and again, where the ripple effects of that go. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. And you know, you can see that in uh, various recovery groups, yeah. you know, when there's a particular sin yes. that someone's struggling with. I certainly think about the uh, the reality of sexual sin addiction to pornography your struggles with pornography whatever it might be and how um terrifying you know that can be for a person to say that's that's me i need help uh even recently i was downstairs in a bookstore on a sunday morning and a person walked in to see me um, or actually they walked in to get a book okay they they did not see me and then I said hi, and they were very embarrassed because uh-huh. of the section they yes. were looking at, which I didn't even know what it was okay. until they told me they were embarrassed. And I was like, it made me really sad. Yes. You you don't need to be embarrassed. That's but, right. But he said, have you thought about even maybe a way to put these books somewhere so people wouldn't miss it? I haven't, Yeah. Um, but I get it. Yes. You know, I get it. We've got to get over that. That's right. We've got to figure out a way to help people realize, hey, whatever the struggle is, you're not alone. Yes. And we want to do everything we can to help you with whatever it is. That's exactly right. So if that's a particular issue that someone's having, talk about some of the groups that we have that could help somebody struggling with, you know, sexual sins. Okay, so you've already mentioned uh, one where we've got a group of men that meet together. Now we call them purity groups, Mm -hmm. and uh, they are designed to allow men who are struggling with sexual sin, issues of pornography predominantly Mm -hmm. is the one, where they come and they go through some material uh, called Sexual Sanity for Men that uh, has been just a great blessing to so many men. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically after they finish that, they continue to meet together as a group. And um, just the, the fellowship and the commitment that they have to each other. You know, sometimes we overuse the word, you know, accountability, mm-hmm. but they provide this beautiful sense of accountability to each other just mm-hmm. through fellowship. And so that's been something that's come from it. Mm. What came out of that was the need to minister to some of the wives Mm -hmm. that were uh, being impacted by their husbands uh, being involved in pornography. Mm -hmm. And so we've got a a group for women now Mm -hmm. with that. And uh, it's still, Mark, it's such at the early stage, you know, we want to see it grow, but Mm -hmm. it's been such a blessing to see how those two things are coming together we know that, that pornography is such a huge issue today, and our kids are being exposed to it at such an early age that, that uh, we've got to really be able to provide the kind of support and care for them. So that's, that's been uh, a real blessing to see how we can help each other uh, with that. 
Uh, there's a great guy named Tom Marion that is mm-hmm. leading the charge on that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Tom, Tom was in the healthcare field, but Tom's not a trained counselor or anything, but he has a heart for this. And he's been mm-hmm. able to say, this is where I want to invest my time. Mm-hmm. And uh, what he's done there has been really a great blessing to our church. Okay. And so we see this where we, we go, okay, we don't have to go out and duplicate you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, if someone's struggling with alcohol, we can send them to a 12-step group. But there's so many places in the church that we can provide that, that, that support for mm-hmm. them um, and really be able to do life together in some mm-hmm. very rich and meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. You mentioned redemption groups, which is something that we have done in the past and want to relaunch. Mm-hmm. But it, it, uh, it's where, you know, we get people together and they talk about the issues of the heart. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we use a book that, that I think has been um, great. It's called Redemption. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, and it realizes it helps expose the idols in our heart as well as the wounds that are deep within us. Mm-hmm. And it gives a safe place for people to gather together to talk about that. And those, again, we meet as a collective group and then break up into smaller groups that are gender specific. Um, and what transpires in those discussion groups or those little conversation groups is nothing but short of like, you're like, thank you, because people come and readily put their struggles out on the table. Why? Because they know everybody else comes with the same agenda for that. And so, um, you know, needless to say, there's other things that we're doing to support marriage and all, but these are just a few of the things that, that we're really trying to move forward. Now, sometimes people tend to think groups like that are for the feelers, you know, the <laughs> yes. emotional people, yes. and I'm not like that, I don't yes. need that. What do you think about that? Yes. And what do you want to say to those people? Yes. Who probably aren't watching this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I never want to be too critical of the thinkers. Um, I, I, I see great value in them, sure. you know. Um, but clearly, you know, in the life and history of the church here, you know, there was the idea that the greatest distance between the head and the heart, which is about 18 inches, mm-hmm. you know, is the greatest distance that we need to travel. And so I always want to be inviting the thinkers into a world that allows them to have some feeling connected to it. Mm-hmm. Just like I would someone who is a total feeler to mm-hmm. invite them into the thinking world mm-hmm. and for us to realize that there is great benefits and blessings to both. But if I am significantly out of balance, um, I'm going to be missing something. And so oftentimes the thinkers, while they may be naturally gifted at that, there also comes a place where they have found that's their place of safety because I don't want to feel. Yeah. And to invite people back into the feeling world is quite a challenge. Yeah. But it is it is a worthwhile challenge and it's one that, you know, I could give many different testimonies of folks who were reticent to move into that only to turn around and say, Thank you. Mm-hmm. Because now they find life to be much more rich and fulfilling, and they find that in their pain and suffering and the other emotions, they find a deeper intimacy in their walk with Christ. Yeah, I love that. I love that we described that because I believe a lot of the enemy's work is to create false dichotomies mm. 
And one of the things I love to say is that, you know, if, um, if it's in your head, it's just have knowledge. Yes. Intellectualism, you, you tend to think that that's deep. That's right. And it's actually not. Yeah. It's quite shallow, frankly. Yeah. Deep is when it moves from head yeah. to heart. But even that's not deep enough. Yeah. Because you can feel mm. what you think is right yeah. and think what you think is right. It's not till it exits our hands and our feet until it's really deep. In other yeah. words, it's consuming us yeah. and it has to go somewhere. Wow. And I think that's what happens when a, when a soul truly is, or a person too, truly is redeemed, resurrected. Yeah. They have life that becomes so full. Yeah. Because if you move into something like a redemption group and yeah. you're, you'd rather do a systematic theology class or something <laughs> like that, it's not that you have to think less. Yes. It just gives more color to it. Thank it gives you. more understanding to it. Yes. It actually makes that which is so rich already, far richer. Does, that, does that make sense? Oh, Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, thank you for taking that to the third element of that. And um, we, I need to give more thought to that, just as to how that fleshes itself out. Um, it's the implication, but to use the, the, the verbiage with that is awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about a couple of other, other issues, Pat, that um, I know are real. So we've talked about anxiety. We've talked mm -hmm. about, you know, addiction to pornography, sexual yeah. sin, things like that. Yeah. Let's talk about depression yes. and grief, yeah. um, maybe as a couple of other topics. So. Yes. Let me start out just with the grief concept first, and then yeah. I do want to get to depression because you're so right. Um, but uh, grief is something that has been greatly heightened of late because with COVID and all, the loss has been substantial. And I'm not talking about loss of life. Um, that is that is certainly one of the major categories. But there's been a, a loss of time and relationships and so many things that are in the bigger category of what loss is that um, most everybody has been touched by that in one way or another in the last two years, we'll say. Mm -hmm. And so um, grief is something that we've got to continually when I say invite people into, mm -hmm. I don't mean unless, you know, uh, that, that they don't, that there's nothing to grieve about, mm -hmm. but it's to those where they have had an experience that we want to be able to say, we want to help you in that process of grief mm -hmm. and allow you to realize that, you know, grief, what's so confusing about it is if you take the, the you know, the common theory that there's five stages of grief, there's not just in a, a linear mm -hmm. approach, you bounce all around through those five stages with some degree of, am I crazy or what? Only to be able to say, gosh, I thought I had worked through my anger, but now I'm back to anger. It's like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And to be able to bring comfort to people in the midst of their grief so they can embrace it, and then where that deeper healing can take place. Mm -hmm. But people who avoid grief will ultimately find it seeping out in some really unpleasant ways. What are some examples of ways it was Well, certainly, out? yeah, thank you. That's why I wanted to take depression and put it with that, because depression often can be connected to one of the ways that my grief will seep out. The next thing I know, instead of processing my sadness in a good, healthy way, I am feeling less energy. I'm feeling... You know, I'm having a hard time with clarity of thought or whatever some of those symptoms may be. And now, instead of processing my grief, I'm looking for some other ways to get rid of that heavy feeling that I have. Mm -hmm. 
that takes us to some really ugly places because it could be substance abuse or anything like that, mm-hmm. alcohol, et cetera. But it also could be, and you know, I'm a huge proponent of medication when it's right, but it could mm-hmm. be also medication's not necessarily needed in that particular place. Let's just grieve it, mm-hmm. okay? And so the depression can oftentimes be something that is circumstantial, okay? I'm a big believer. I know it can be chemical and biological, and I'm that's why I keep saying I'm thankful for the Andrea Kims of the world. Right. But I do believe there's times it's circumstantial. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I either need somebody to come alongside me in the midst of it and continue to point me to, you know, the truth and to, to light and life. Mm-hmm. Um, but where depression just really kind of feels like that general heaviness. Mm-hmm. And the things that used to bring joy and delight to me really don't mm-hmm. hit the mark anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I end up, I'm just kind of, and this would be a little bit more extreme, but I'm just kind of in survival mode. Mm-hmm. The next day, the next day, the next day, instead of things that I look forward to with great delight. Okay, well, two things begin to happen. One is I'm going to be tempted to isolate myself some because relationships become more difficult for me but then also people get tired of being around me mm-hmm. and so they begin to distance myself so all, themselves so all of a sudden relationships which had historically been life-giving are on the outsides now and you talk about having someone go from what i would call mild depression down to a major depression is when some of those things begin to occur now again On the church perspective, we should be aware when someone, where's so-and-so been? Mm -hmm. I miss seeing them. Mm -hmm. And we need to be intentional in our efforts to go and find the lost sheep, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. But I would also speak to the person that's depressed and say, I know it's hard, but you've got to reach out. Mm -hmm. It's a both and. Mm -hmm. And that's where that depression, and again, I'm saying in circumstantial depression, where we can be a great source of strength and encouragement to each other. So how does an individual or somebody that's caring for, it's a parent caring for a middle school student, high school student, or a college student, or younger even, how do they know when it's not just a season of sadness, but it really is depression or potentially is depression? Yeah. How, how can they discern that and what steps should they take? Well, again, uh, 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 you, you oftentimes take the question to exactly the right place, and I appreciate that because what, that, what your question implies is I've got to be aware. I've got to be prepared that says um, – not that I'm on edge, that someone could go to a dark place, mm-hmm. but I want to be relationally connected enough to them that I am gaining what I call data from people, okay? And, and I want to be someone who asks good, healthy questions, you know, and which would be, tell me how you're doing. And I want to be discerning in that, and I want to be engaged with people around that. And I want to notice things about them, you know, and and they could be really small things. But what's so cool to me is when somebody says, how did you even remember that, Pat? Hmm. Well, you and I both know sometimes, uh, thanks be to God for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. But there's other times I go, because your story matters to me. 
And when people feel like they matter, wow. Mm-hmm. And so um, those would just be some, what I would call some very conscientious things that we want to do in all of our relationships. Mm-hmm. But especially where someone may be a little bit more prone to being melancholy, mm-hmm. that we want to just kind of be sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful. And so when um, when somebody's in that that place, and uh, could be a friend, could be a coworker, yeah. could be somebody in your small group, somebody's not there, and you're yeah. trying to figure out what's going on, and there is a sense where you know it's not just been a bad day or a bad week, but I'm kind of in this thing. I just can't get out of bed yes. or I can't uh, can't stay focused um, and they need help. For many Christians, it seems like that shouldn't be true if I had enough faith. That's right. If I just had enough faith, yes. if I prayed a little harder, read a little more Bible, and then they try yeah. and it, it doesn't necessarily work. Yeah. What do you want to say to those individuals who might be tempted to think that way about faith? Well, Clearly, that gets us into some territory that um, we want to be able to realize that there are times that someone needs to come to someone, one of the pastors here at the church, mm-hmm. and say, here's what I'm struggling with. It's It now feels like it's a faith-oriented issue. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be necessarily an ordained pastor, but somebody, one of our elders or whoever it might be, but somebody who can provide them some really good grounded feedback, mm-hmm. okay? But I also will tell you, and I'm getting ready to use a cliche that I hope is appropriate, but mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want anybody picking up a Bible and thumping them on the head. Mm-hmm. That's not helpful, mm-hmm. okay? But it is being able to say something along these lines. Can we just review some of the truth that we both know in Scripture? Mm-hmm. And let's talk through those and see what might be causing a struggle for you to really be able to hear those at this point in time? Mm-hmm. And again, safety, but again, being intentional and bringing to light the truth of Scripture into their specific places. Mm-hmm. Not places that you assume you know, mm-hmm. but places that they're giving you indications of. What would, be, what would be some examples of that? Okay, so an example of, of that would be where, um, you know, maybe they're even questioning the power of prayer. I've been praying about this mm-hmm. forever, you know, and it's like, okay, can we talk about that? And let's review some of the prayers that we have in Scripture, mm-hmm. and let's look and see what God promises to us. But then let's see, are you praying about the thing that is really most important here? Mm-hmm. Are you praying for relief? Or are you praying for God to show you something about himself in a more deeply intimate way? See, I am one who will tell you that um, I believe that what we want to walk away with is not God change my circumstances, but Father, I want to be in an intimate relationship with you. Just this past Sunday, I had the privilege of speaking on the passage from Acts chapter 16, where... Was this in your Sunday morning community yes, that you teach? Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. where Paul and Silas cast out a demon or of, a, of a girl that could fortune tell. Mm-hmm. They end up in prison. They're in the inner recesses of the prison after having been beaten and, and their robes torn off of them. 
and miraculously it says they were singing and making melody to the Lord. Now the story goes on, which has a powerful element to it, which is that there was an earthquake, the prison doors opened up, the chains fell off, the jailer comes in, he's wanting to kill himself because he assumes that's going to happen to him anyway, and Paul says something to him that blows me away. Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Mm. Not one prisoner left. Mm -hmm. Now, all those ripple effects are amazing to me. Mm -hmm. What I want most, Mark, is to be able to sing and make melody even in the most difficult, painful circumstances. Mm. Father, you don't have to deliver me from them. Let me find you in a deeper, more intimate way in the midst of them. Hmm. That's really beautiful. And the truth is only the, only the gospel yes. provides that. That's exactly because right. Because it's the, it's the power that Christ would give to enable us uh, to, to live out the very things he says we will experience, yes. you know, with the trials and the struggles, whatever they may be. Right. So one one final thing, Pat, is we think about this. I know that we could talk for hours about all the different ways in which um, people are struggling, including us. But ultimately, we know that it comes down to an individual surrendering, you know, their their life to the Lord, not just once in the terms of salvation. I don't mean that. That's certainly true. But the ongoing daily reality of I need you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, to continue to make me more and more like Jesus. Yes. And that includes availing ourselves of the means of grace that he has given us. And I do believe counsel with the word of God. Yeah. I do believe in um, fellowship with others, but I also believe that there are times when a person needs care that is really specific. Yeah. And for many Christians, I still think they associate that with a level of shame that, yeah. like I said earlier, if I just had a little more faith, that wouldn't yes. happen. And we want you to know that we are all tempted in some ways that that way. Yeah. But when we are willing to surrender and say, whatever the Lord is asking me to do for the sake of, of knowing him and getting better, I'm willing to do that. Yeah. And I love that statement, you know, that God never promised this side of heaven to take away our pain. Yes. But he did promise to give us himself. Yes. And that's unlike any other religion in the world. That's exactly right. He gives us himself, that he's leading us, he's with us. Mm and he will never forsake us. Right. Um, I'm very grateful for your time, uh, not just during this podcast, but daily, mm, you know, you. what you're doing, the way you've made yourself available to people. Anything you want to, last thing you want to say to encourage people about how they could get help here yes, at PCBC or beyond? I do. Thank you. So um, we have a counseling and care ministry here at the church, and um, we have... At one time, what we offered was a fee-based model many years ago. We got rid of that and said, no, we want people to be able to get the help that they need without having to worry about, you know, can I afford this or not? Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, that deters a lot of people from getting the help that they need. Mm -hmm. So we have a counseling scholarship fund that's available that we're able to help people with. And so the counseling that we provide here at the church is free. Um, there's me, and then I have currently four other people. There's varying degrees of expertise, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the reality is that, that people can call, and we'll help get them 
plugged in with someone that, you know, is closer to their age or someone that might be able to identify with the struggle that they have. And then outside of the church, I've got multiple people who I can actually refer somebody to, and that person will bill me directly, mm -hmm. okay? Again, that's through our Counseling Scholarship Fund, and if anybody wants to just make a donation to that, we're always open to it. Um, we tell people that receive the care, you're welcome to make a donation. It's not expected or required, but hopefully you would see the value in it. And mm -hmm. if you can afford it, great. If you can't, no worries about it. And so we, we are wanting to grow and develop this um, because we know the need is continuing to grow. And we want it to go beyond just the four walls of the church to the community at mm -hmm. large to be able to let them know there is good biblical counseling available to you if that's what you would desire. And so those are just some things we're building and want to continue to build on that and um, just appreciate the opportunity to even share that here with the podcast today. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. More than anything, I know what you're saying is if money is what's keeping you from getting the care, the counseling you need, as a church, we don't want that to be a hindrance. Exactly. We don't want that to be an option. Yes. So don't let it be an option. Yeah. Um, if you have resources and would like to give towards that fund, yes, that's something you. that I think could be really helpful. Yes. As uh, you know, we've not covered every no. every topic we could have covered, but this podcast, particularly on this topic, is going to go for six or seven series, and um, we'll be actually interviewing Andrea Kim, which yes. you mentioned her name a few times. Yes, actually, I already did that interview, and it was fantastic. Yeah. You'll be deeply encouraged by her perspective on things, as well as members of our church, um, some who have been diagnosed with specific mental illness and the way in which. God is faithfully showing himself to them. Yeah. But these are not uh, finished stories, which okay. I think is really important to know that we who are in Christ will spend eternity with him. <laughs> Between now and then, we are all going to be um, ongoing, in process, Amen to that. becoming more and more like him. Yes. So, Pat, thank you for your time. Thank you, I'm Mark. really grateful for you, brother. Yeah. And thank you for watching or listening. Yeah, thank you all. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Deep Light Podcast from Park City's Presbyterian Church. We would love for you to be our guest this Sunday morning as we gather together for worship at 8, 9.30, or 11 a.m. We are located in the Uptown Dallas area at the corner of Oaklawn Avenue and Wycliffe Avenue. To find out more, please visit pcpc.org.